Thank you for joining us at Creative Church. We pray that this word blesses your heart and blesses your life. And if it has, I want to encourage you to feed what's feeding you and to give to what's giving to you. The easiest way to do this is to visit creativechurch.com slash give. Thank you for your faithfulness and your generosity. Be sure to like this video and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Make sure to click on the notifications so you never miss an encouraging word from Creative Church. So the book of Mark chapter 14. I'm going to start reading in verse 2, very famous story. It says, but not during the feast, they said, of the people, a riot, but while they were in Bethany, uh, reclaiming at the table a home of a man who was known as Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar with a very expensive perfume made of nard. And she broke the jar. Everybody say she broke it. And she poured the perfume on Jesus' head. Some of those that were present uh, got indignant with one another. And they said, why would you waste this perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wage and the money given to the poor. This is Judas speaking. And uh, they rebuked her harshly. They're like, you're wasteful. Why would you do this? Why would you break this and pour this on the feet of Jesus? You could have taken this money and uh, this perfume and sold it, and we could have fed poor people with it. Just so you know, if you ever uh, look at somebody, spend money or a church spend money, you go, why would they do that? They could have taken that and sold it and given it to the poor. If you've ever said that, just so you know, you're quoting Judas. We can just think about all the people in the Bible to quote. You think about all the scriptures in the Bible to learn. If you're the person going like, why would they do that? Why would they buy a food truck and put it in the lobby? You know, they, that, they could have taken that money and fed poor people with it. You're Judas. You're, you're quoting Judas. Just so you know, that's... I don't know if that's the one you want to, just something to pray about, you know, just something to think. I don't know. You can quote him if you want. Um, but they rebuked her. Judas rebuked her, got onto her. And Jesus in verse six says, leave her alone. Jesus said, why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing for me. He said, the poor you have with you always. But me, you only have a short time. Verse eight. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare my body for burial. I tell you the truth, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told as a memorial to her. And here I am 2,000 years later, still telling this story because Jesus' word is true. And uh, you guys ready to get into this? I'm so excited. I feel like I'm pregnant with a word and my water's broken. It's running down my leg and I got to deliver this baby. Are you ready today? You ready today? Come on. So Father, minister today out of your word. Bless every person under the sound of my voice that we would leave changed. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give God praise one more time. You can be seated. Thank you, Brandon. Let's go to work. Um, you know, I want you to know that you're all blessed. If you're breathing today, you're blessed. Amen? Uh, if you can see me, you're blessed. Praise the Lord. And the fact that, you know, you have a home or an apartment Last night to sleep in is proof that a harvest exists in your life. How many of you know that you're reaping a harvest, that God has brought a harvest into your life, that if you drove here today uh, to church, that's proof that a harvest from God exists in your life. Um, if, if, you, uh, if you have a job, how many of you have a job? Come on, amen. That's proof that a harvest exists in your life. Your husband is a harvest. Let me try that again. Your husband is a harvest. Your, your wife is a harvest. Sounds like the women need a little more help with that. 
If you, if you found someone who thinks putting up with your weaknesses is worth, is worth it, that's a harvest. Amen? That's what marriage is, somebody who's committed to put up with your weaknesses. That's a harvest in your life. Your health is a harvest. How many people are, thank, are you thankful for your health? Come on. That's, that's, a, that's a big deal. That's a harvest in your life. There's a lot of people in the hospital today. There's a lot of people that are sick and couldn't make it, but here you are. Come on, give God the praise for it, for your health. That's a harvest in your life. It's proof that God is good. Your job is a harvest because your job says someone has perceived your gift and someone thinks that your gift is so valuable that they have decided to write you a check every week for your gift. That's a harvest. Don't curse your job. Don't curse your career. Somebody say amen. Don't take that harvest for granted. Don't take that check you get every week for granted. It's God's harvest in your life. Love is a harvest in your life. If somebody loves you, that's a harvest from God in your life. The Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from who? Comes from God, in whom there is no variableness, no shadow of turning. If God has somebody in your life that loves you, that's a harvest. I wrote this one down, good looks are a harvest. Come on. Good looks are a harvest. You could have very easily been ugly. You have no idea how close to ugly you were. All God would have to do is move your front of your nose back a quarter of an inch and you'd walk around looking like Porky the pig. But God was good to you. Somebody say amen about it. God was good to you. Turn to your neighbor and say, you don't know how close you were. You don't know how close. But God was good. I'm just telling you, good looks are a harvest. And, and it's wonderful that that God would allow somebody to find you attractive. How many people think that's a blessing? Some of y'all better say amen about that. That God let somebody find you attractive because there's a lot of people who don't think you are. But God let somebody think you were attractive enough to give their life to you. That's a harvest. I'm just telling you, some people are shocked. Some of y'all got married. They're just, I can't believe somebody would. Huh? You look at me and look at Pastor Joanne. Somebody got to love the big guys. Come on, amen. And when it comes to generosity, when it comes to trusting God with your finances, it really comes down to two natures in the word of God. There's the nature of God, which is generosity. How many of you know God is generous? And then it comes to the nature of Satan, which is selfishness. Satan and the kingdom of Satan is rooted in selfishness. It has more fear in running out than it has faith in running over. And it's all about what I want. And there are two different natures. And either you have a generous nature, uh, which is the nature of God, or you have a selfish nature, which is the nature of, of the enemy, which is the nature of Satan. And, and it's, it's interesting because God, God wants us to have, uh, uh, and have things and to prosper. It's, it's God's will that we prosper and be in good health, even as our soul just prosper. But God doesn't mind you having things. He just doesn't want the thing to have you. He doesn't want it to be a God in your life. God, God wants you to be blessed, uh, but, but as long as we can release that to say, God, I want you over that, God doesn't mind that we have it. And it's, God is testing us to see if we're going to put him first in this area of our life, in this area of generosity. And there's always a battle that's taken place. And what I love about this story is this woman, she was so moved that she did something that was not normal. She did something that was not average. She, she brought an extravagant gift to God, and she broke it and poured it on the body of Jesus. And it says in Mark chapter 14 that it was worth one year's wage. I mean, just imagine that, ladies, going to whatever store, uh, Saks Fifth Avenue or Neiman Marcus or Nordstrom's or whatever uh, store, and buying a bottle of perfume that cost a year's wage. If you make 50000 you spend 50000 on it. If you make 100000 you spend 100000 on it or 200000 Whatever it is that you made, you, you spent your year's wage on this perfume. How many people think that's extravagant? Come on, raise your hand. You go, man, that's an extravagant gift. That's what this woman did. And you know, I'm just, I'm just overwhelmed by her generosity. And she buys it and she pours it on the feet of Jesus out of a tremendous act of gratitude. 
that I want to tell you about a little bit later. But generosity was flowing out of her heart. And in John chapter 12, verse 6, Judas said, uh, why didn't you sell that and give that to the poor? Jesus said, the poor you have with you always, but me you only have with you for a short time. And it wasn't that Judas cared for the poor. The Bible says this. It wasn't that Judas cared for the poor. It was that he wanted the the money for himself, that he was in charge of the money box, and he wanted the money for himself. He was stealing from the treasury. And I love this because it exposes the old age selfish cover-up that anytime somebody is giving to the Lord, anytime somebody is being generous to the Lord, uh, or being uh, generous or giving to God, somebody is always going to criticize your generosity. There's always somebody to criticize your generosity. And I found out that people who tithe, I've been doing this 20 years, and I found out over those 20 years that people who tithe, that people who give to this ministry are never offended when I talk about giving. They they are never, ever upset or offended when we get in front of the church and we talk about giving. And and it's kind of like when you go to the doctor if you go to the doctor, there's certain parts of, of your body, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll press or, or poke or, you know, push it on your arm or your chest. What does this hurt or your stomach or does that hurt? And, 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 what he, and, and anytime he pushes pressure or puts something and you go, ow, that doesn't hurt. He goes, well, we need to talk about that. Because that, when I touch that, that's not supposed to hurt. So if I get up here and I talk about giving and you go, ah. Oh, man, we need to talk about that because that's not supposed to hurt. It's, it's It's not Dr. Jonathan. There's something in you that has a problem when we talk about giving. There's something in you that has a problem when we talk about generosity and giving to the Lord. You should not have a pain or a problem when we talk about giving to God because love is manifested in giving. For God so loved that he that he gave. So when we, when we give to God, when we trust God, when we put him first in this area of our life, I'm just pointing out the medicine that God has already given us. We should not have a pain or a problem when it comes to generosity towards Jesus because he has already given to us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And what's interesting is that Jesus knew that Judas had that spirit. He knew that he was a thief, but Jesus was trusting him in the area that he struggled in. He was testing him in his area of weakness. Every day we're being tested. Every day we're being tested to see what we're going to do with our resources. In Luke chapter 16, verse 11, he says, if you cannot be trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, or your translation might say unrighteous mammon or unrighteous money, how will God trust to you true riches? How many of you want true riches? True riches are things money can't buy. God says, if I can't trust you with $40,000 a year or $50,000 a year or $100,000 a year, how can I entrust you true riches? True riches are being able to lay your hands on the sick and see them healed. True riches are having a word from God to prophesy over your child, their destiny and their future. True riches are God giving you a vision for your children and for your family. And saying, God, what is the plan and the purpose that you have for my life? True riches are God working through you to do miracles. How many of you want to see God do miracles through you and through your family and through your children? See, if you don't learn how to handle money properly, God will never trust you with true riches because you'll, you, you will prostitute it. You'll use those gifts to make money. Oh, God. And so he goes, I can't give you true riches because I can't trust you with with worldly riches. And I want true riches in my life. I want, I want prophetic words from God for my children and for my family. How many of you want to see dreams and dream visions and see, see God's plan and future for your life and for your family? How many of you are going to God and say, God, show me in a dream or a vision. In the last day, say of God, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. You know what that is? That's true riches. Your young men and old men shall see visions and dream dreams. What is that? That's true riches. If we want the true riches, see, the Bible says the blessings of God bringeth no sorrow. When God blesses you with money, it doesn't cause pain. 
I, I, I try and tell young men this all the time because a lot of young men under 40, they, we have a hard time as men understanding that before 40, we really need to work on our character development. Because God's going to do more in our life financially from 40 to 60 than he is from 20 to 40. But we don't get that as young men. We, neg we negate character development and we focus on trying to get wealth. Only to get the wealth many times at the expense of losing our marriage, losing our health, losing our children. We've been divorced three times, right? And now we're 60. And now we're saying, or, or now we're 40. And now we're saying, oh yeah, now you know, I realize that money's not what really matters. My family's what matters. My marriage is what matters. My kids are what matters. We, we, need to, we need to work on our character development on the front end. I can't get one amen. You know, oh, now that I'm 40, I'm going to start parenting. Yeah, but you can't go back and parent. You lost those 20 years because you were gone working all the time. We, 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 need to, we need to focus because now that you've got the money, you've got sorrow with it. Yeah, you're 40, 45, and you've got money now, but you've lost your marriage. You've lost your health. You've lost your children. That's why the Bible says the blessings of God bring no sorrow. When God blesses you in his timing, you're going to have the money and the marriage. You're going to have the money and the children. You're going to have the money and the health. Come on, somebody say amen about it because the blessings of God bring no sorrow. God wants to trust you with true riches, but God will never give you spiritual authority if you're not faithful with money. How many of you want spiritual authority in your home? You got you to be faithful with your money. How many of you want spiritual authority in your marriage? Spiritual authority in the kingdom of God. God's like, how can I trust you with spiritual authority to lead the people of God and do signs and wonders through you, and I can't trust you with $50,000 a year? This is so good. If you cannot handle unrighteous money, how will you ever be able to commit true riches? How will God ever be able to give you true riches? How can you have enough faith to believe God to rebuke cancer? We have a person coming up here and they've got cancer. You're going to come up here and lay your hands on them and believe that when you lay your hands on them that God will heal them? You have that kind of faith, but you don't have enough faith to trust God with $125? No wonder you lay your hands for them and they die in. Because God's not going to commit to you true riches when he can't trust you with what he's already given you. Just sit there, I'm coming for you. <laughs> true riches. Can I trust God? Can I trust God with it? You know? As a church, you know, when people give uh, into this house, we take it very seriously. You know, we, first of all, we have an outside auditor come in every year and go over our finances. There's no way you end up with a $12 million loan to build a building in Maple Grove, the first building in 18 years, and you don't know how to handle money. There's no way you survive a pandemic and you're building a building in it. And your church is not even meeting in person and you don't know, you misappropriate money. There's no way you can get in front of your church and say, if anybody here needs a job, you can start work tomorrow and your church doesn't know how to handle money. Come on, somebody, say amen about that. There's no way you feed the people you feed and build the orphanages you build and do the things you do with School Lunch Matters and your church doesn't know how to handle money. You want to know what happened to the money? Walk down that kid's wing. Come on. We take, we take the money in this house very seriously. Number one, because I don't want to go to hell. Number two, I don't want to go to jail. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So we have a board. My, it's not my mama, it's not my daddy and my sister. We have a board. And, you know... We take our, the finances in this house very seriously. And when you give it to God, the Bible says when you give your tithes and offerings to mortal men, that God receives it in heaven. As a, as a, and it's actually a, a witness. 
You know, it's actually a testimony of your faith when you tithe. Because you wouldn't give tithe if you didn't believe in God. You wouldn't give an offering if you didn't believe in God. When you actually bring it, you're, it's a testimony to people to say, look, I believe that God's word is true. I believe that God exists. And, when I, and I, so much so that I'm willing to put this income on it as a witness that I believe it. Amen? And uh, Judah, Judas called it waste, but Jesus called it worship. What she did, this, this woman, it was so extravagant. I mean, when I, when I read this story, it challenges me personally because it was so extravagant. And there are three levels of giving that I want to share with you before we go. Three levels of giving in the kingdom of God that, that are scripturally based. And the first level is tithing. Everybody say tithing. Tithe means tenth. It means 10%. And tithe is not an Old Testament thing. And I'll get into it another week. But tithing existed before the law. Tithing existed in the law. And tithing existed after the law. It's all the way through Scripture. But we don't tithe because we have a command to tithe. We tithe because out of our love for God. Somebody say amen about that. Love fulfills all those commandments. In fact, if anyone here has ever been taught that Jesus came to destroy the law and tithing's under the law, that's not even a true biblical statement. The Bible, Jesus actually says, Think not I have come to destroy the law. I have not come to destroy it, but I have come to fulfill it. And then he goes on to say that the fulfillment of the law is love. And love is manifested in, in giving. Don't tell me you love anything that you don't give anything to. Love makes you give. Amen? So there are three levels of giving in the kingdom of God. The first level that the Bible talks about is tithing. The second level is offering. Everybody say offering. And the third level is extravagant offerings, which is what this woman gave here. She gave an extravagant offering to the Lord. These are the three levels that you can look through Scripture and find three levels of biblical generosity. And you cannot get to the second and third level if you don't first participate in the first level. Tithing is the lowest level of giving in the kingdom of God. It's the first level. It's the lowest level. It's the entry level of giving in the kingdom of God, which is the tithe. If you make 100000 the tithe is 10%. And, and 10 is the number of testing in the Bible. Throughout Scripture, 10 is the number of testing. How many, how many uh, plagues were there? Uh, 10. How many virgins were there to see if their lamps were filled with oil? 10. How many uh, lepers did Jesus heal to see if one would come back? 10. How many disciples were there? 12. Ah, see? Pay attention. So if you made if you made a hundred thousand, your tithe is ten thousand. If you made ten thousand, your tithe is a thousand. If you made a thousand, your your tithe uh, is a hundred dollars. If you made a hundred dollars, your tithe is ten dollars. If you if you made one dollar, your, your your tithe is ten cents. And God says, no matter what level you're on, I'm going to bless you the same. I'm going to open unto you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing where you will not have room enough to receive. Come on, somebody say amen. That's the good news. So Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, God says, bring ye all the tithe. Everybody say, all the tithe. It doesn't say give. It says bring. Why does it say bring? Because it's not yours to give. All you can do is bring it. And I'll tell you something about the tithing. You either bring it or you lose it. Nobody has tithe in their savings account. Because God's not going to let you keep it because it belongs to him. You either bring it or you lose it. Right? So bring ye all the tithe, not some, but all the tithe into the storehouse, not houses. It's not plural. It's not, well, I'm going to give 10, I'm going to give 2% to this church and 3% to that church and 5% to this church. It says, bring ye all the tithe into your storehouse, which is your local church. If you leave this church, you go to another church, take your tithe with you. You go and give it to wherever this is, because God plants people in a house. He plants people in a home. He plants people in a church. You don't have 10 pastors. If you do, I don't want to be one of them. I resign, effective immediately, from being one of your 10 pastors. Okay? Uh, you don't have 10 churches and 10 storehouses. You have one storehouse. You have one house. God plants you in a family. I don't have 12 moms and 12 dads. I got one mom, one dad. God, God has a family. Somebody say amen about that. You know, you, you got other theology. That's your own theology. That ain't biblical. 
That's something you came up with. I'm, I'm shocked at the people that write their own translations. And they, they swear it's biblical. It's like, that's not in the Bible. You just made that up. You just made a translation up. You can't make up scripture. Oh, it's just what I think. It's how I feel. What, what, is, what is this feeling stuff? You can't just decide one day that you're going to write your own Bible. I, I posted the other day on Facebook. I said, when you're reading the Bible and you get to a part that you disagree with, just so you know, you're the one who's wrong. Praise the Lord. I'm offended at that. Well, get in line. Right? And the Bible talks about, so it's tithing, and then the Bible talks about offerings. All right? Well, what is an offering? It's a free will offering. Whatever you want to give, it's, it's free will. When it comes to offerings, it's a free will. Sometimes you give them in church. Sometimes you give them at the store. Sometimes you're just, let's, let's, let's do this now. Everybody take out some money. Everybody take out some money. If you got cash, everybody take out money. Come on, take it out. Some of you are looking like, uh, uh, like you're looking at first your cigarette lighter. Come on. Come on look. Everybody take out some money. Look to your wife. You know, they always have cash. Everybody take out some cash. We'll see how many George Washingtons make it out. That's the one I'm sure you'll pull out. Come on, let's be generous. Come on, everybody, everybody pull out some money. Come on. Y'all holding the line up here, trying to get cash. This is not Apple Pay. Everybody pull some cash out. Everybody got some cash? All right, now I want all my single moms to stand up. All my single moms. If you're single moms, stand up. Single moms, stand up all over the house. All my single moms. Two over here. One down here. One over here. Here. In the back up here. Okay. Now... Um, where's uh, some of my, I have like, I see Emily and Ethan, John or Paige, Ryan's down here, Lynn, you guys, um, uh, you guys help me too. You guys help me. I want you to guys walk around and go um, collect that money. And I want you to go give it to these single moms. Go collect it real quick. You're going to be my ushers, my instant ushers. Yeah. Walk around, start collecting it. Start collecting it. What are we doing? This is called a free will offering. We're going to bless. This is how the kingdom of God works. Keep standing. Single moms, keep standing. If you're a single mom, keep standing. We still got to collect. Come on, some of y'all. Let's go. Puff it up. Come on. Give. We're going to give to these single moms. Amen? Let's give to them. Just give them. Give it to them. You got some? Did this single mom get some? Up in the back over here? Just give it all to them. Did you get some? Did you guys give to this one? Okay, give them all a big God bless you. Amen? There, we just did an offering. We just did an offering. You know, and, and so when we give, when it comes to free will offering, God says, whatever you want to give, you give it. You might be walking, you know, and just, you know, at, the, at, at lunch today and your, your waitress and you go, hey, I just want to give uh, the, the waitress $100 and say God loves you and, and, and so, so does my family and pray for them. How many people believe in giving offerings? Come on, amen. Like just give an offering to people. Just bless people. If us taking money to give to single moms rubs you wrong, there's something in you that's wrong. There's something in you that's wrong. That's not a wrong, that's not a bad thing. That's not an evil thing to, to bless people, okay? Like that's, that's the kingdom of God. And I, and I look at people who are like, oh, they're talking about money or they're giving to people. Look, if, if it bothers you, you're not gonna give anyway. You're not giving anyway. So just let us do what we like to do. We like to give. We like to bless people. We love Jesus. This is not a burden for us. This doesn't bother us. This is who we are. We are Christians. We love the Lord. We give out of our heart to him. Nobody's making us do that. Nobody, we're not begging for money. You know, we're just saying, hey, we love to give. We love to give, and that's our heart. And I'm not going to let people who, like, don't want to give to God stop us from giving to God. 
Like, we're, you're not going to give anyway, so why be mad if we do it? You know, if you're not going to give, fine, but don't be angry because we like to do it. If you don't want to worship, fine, but don't be mad because we like to worship. You know, we love, this is who we are as believers. We love to give to the Lord because we're so thankful for what God has already given to us. Is anybody thankful for what God has given to you, what he's done for you, how he's blessed your life? We're just, we're just going to be a, a, a generous church. We're going to give everybody a free state fair ticket and pray out the calories. So we just want to give. We don't want you to come to visit our church and not give you a gift. We just, we just believe that when you come visit, we want to bless you with something. You know, we just want to be a generous uh, family, a generous body of believers. Remember the, the lady in the Bible, the Bible refers to her as the, uh, the widow's might. Jesus was taking up an offering. For people who get weird about the way we take up offerings, which are typically, you know, out of a 90-minute or 100-minute service, typically like three minutes, and people get weird about that, this is how Jesus took up. Some of you would not make it in Jesus' church. <laughs> You'd be freaked out. Because how Jesus took up the offering was he stood at the front, and then everybody came and brought their offering. It's like, okay, so you go, okay, looking at that. Okay, now you go. Okay, all right, now you. Okay, now you go. I mean, can you imagine if we took up offerings like that in church? Okay, now you go. This is it. This is all your, this is what you're, okay, you. This is what you're giving. Okay, I mean, this is like, and, and it's Jesus. Forget Pastor Jonathan. It's Jesus. Like the one who's dying for your sins. So you can have, you know, burn in hell for eternity. Like this is, he's looking at what you're giving. You know, so he's at, the, he's at the front. And the Bible says that all these wealthy people were coming. They were giving money. And, and this, this widow lady, she came, and the Bible says she had a mite, which is like half a penny. The Bible says she just cast it. She just like threw it. And Jesus, it moved Jesus so much that he stopped the offering and said, look, this lady, he said, all of you. He said, she gave more than all of you because she gave all she had. I mean, think about that for a moment. How could he make that statement unless he knew, unless he saw what every person gave and he knew what every person had? So when, so when you give to God, God is looking at what you give and he's looking at what you have. When it comes to an offering, he's like, okay, this is what you gave and this is what you have. That's what God's looking at. And, and it moved Jesus. And Jesus said, we're going to tell the story about her generosity. That was extravagant. Now, she, she monetarily gave the least. But Jesus said she gave the most. Why? Because she gave out of extravagance. Because she, gave, she wasn't like, well, when I get money, I'll give. You know, if God will really give me a lot of money, then I'll give to God. No, she gave at her level. She gave at her level an extravagant gift. And she trusted God, and God said, I'm going to build a memorial to her because she was generous and trusted me with what she had. Am I preaching today? In Malachi chapter 3, verse 8, God says, you've robbed me. He says, how, they said, how have we robbed thee? He says, in tithes and offerings. In tithes and offerings. Notice he separates it. He doesn't say in giving. He says, you've robbed me in tithe and so it's separate. Jesus said it's separate. He said it's separate. You've robbed me in tithe and offerings. That's not the same. When people say, well, I don't tithe, I just come to church and gave, give an offering. Cain gave an offering. But Abel gave the tithe. So it's not like just because you bring an offering doesn't mean God has respect to your offering. God respects your offering if you've tithed. Oh, Jesus. I would tell you don't give an offering if you don't tithe. Because the first level of giving is tithing. You don't want to just give an offering. You want to give God what he asked for, which is the tithe. Which he was, when people say they can't afford to tithe, the only reason you can say that is because you added everything else up. And you go, I don't have enough left. But God doesn't want to be what's left. He wants to be first. Come on, somebody. Amen. God wants to be first in your life. Seek ye 
first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. And you just have to realize that it doesn't belong to you or does it belong to God? You just, have, you just have to go, man, this belongs to God. If I was taking up the offering today, do we have an offering bucket? We don't even use those anymore. Can somebody, one of my ushers, give me an offering bucket? Maybe we've got one in the back closet or something. I don't know. Maybe they'll find one. Or we don't even pass those around anymore. But um, if I got ready to take up the offering today, there, there, there she comes. This is, don't run. You got all the time in the world. No, I'm serious. Run. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Naomi. So, so is there, is there, anybody remember these? So say we got ready to take up the offering. We're, everybody's giving the offering. I'm just very practical when I think about giving, right? So everybody's passing the offering. And it gets down here to Ryan, and Ryan takes all the money out of the bucket, puts it in his pocket. How do people think we should at least talk to Ryan? Somebody should at least. <laughs> we're not judging you. We're not against you. But somebody, raise your hand if you, I'm just asking you a question. How many people think somebody should at least have a conversation with Ryan? Okay. How, how, raise, by show of hands, how many people in here think Ryan stole? If he did that, if all of you gave, got here to Ryan, took all the money, put it in his pocket, walked out, raise your hand if you think Ryan stole. Okay, so if you're saying Ryan stole, I'm just a new person. I'm just visiting today. I came for my state fair ticket. I don't know anything about the Bible. I'm just trying to understand what you're trying to communicate here, dude. All right, so like you're trying to say that the, the money that I put in this bucket went down here, it got to this dude, Ryan, he took all the money, put it in the pocket. You're trying to tell me he stole. Raise your hand if that's what you're trying to say. Raise your hand if you're like, by show of hands. Okay, Ryan stole. Okay, raise your hand if, you're, if you think Ryan stole from God. Raise your hand. No trick questions. If you think Ryan stole from God, raise your hand. All right, so I'm just here for a safe air ticket. You're trying to convince me that the money I put in the bucket, that this guy stole, that he stole from God. Am I right so far? That the money went there? Okay, now my question is, as a visitor, is when did the money that Lori put in turn from Lori's money to God's money? Is it like when it, does it has to cross this lip of the bucket, like when it goes right past this plastic lip or does it have to hit the bottom of the bucket? Like when in the process of her pulling out of her purse does it turn magically from her money to God's money that he stole from God. So somewhere in the process, it had to turn from her money to God's money if he stole it, and you're telling me he stole from God, or was it always God's? Raise your hand if you think it was always God's. Okay, so I'm just visiting today. I'm here for my safe fare ticket. You're trying to convince me that the money I put in the bucket, when it got down here to Ryan, that he stole, he stole from God, but the money that Lori put in was never Lori's. It was always God's, and that's why he stole from God. Is that what you're trying to communicate to me? So then what about Ted who didn't put it in? What about the money that, I'm just, I'm just asking a practical question. What about the money that's in Ted's pocket? Is that God's or is that still Ted's? Because if it's Ted's, then it has to magically turn at some moment into God's if he stole from God. So, so how many people think the money that's in Ted's pocket is also God's? Okay, so that's the thing. You just got to realize that God owns it all. That we're a steward. How many of you work for a company and you spend a lot of money at your company? And it's the company's money. How many people do that? You spend like, well, they go, hey, we need you to spend 50 grand. And you're like, no problem. <laughs> I got it. You ever notice how easy it is to spend other people's money? Right? You ever notice that? Right? Be, that's what I'm saying. If, if you have find it hard to give, it's because you think it's yours. And that's why you have a hard time releasing it because you're like, well, this is my money. But if you begin to realize that this belongs to God, that it's already his, then I can have a heart of generosity because I believe it's not mine, that I'm just a steward, that it belongs to God. Do you trust God in this area of your life and your finances? When God says you've robbed me, he says you've robbed me of the opportunity to bless you. God wants to bless you. It's like I walk into my house after being away and I walk in and I always try to get some push pops. There's a little, anybody know there's a little candy push pops for the kids? So I'll walk in and I go, are there any good little boys and girls? And Pastor Joanne goes, no! Oh, I put them behind my back. How do I feel in that moment as a dad? I feel robbed because I had something I wanted to give them, but because of their, their disobedience, I wasn't able to give them what I had for them. God has blessings he wants to bring into your life. He has blessings, but, but God is saying, do you trust me in this area of putting me first 
in your finances. And God says, I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake, that he will not destroy the fruits of your ground. How many of you need God to help you with that, that when you get blessings, you can keep it? Come on, somebody. Amen. God says, I'll work with you on that. And this woman brought an expensive bottle. She anointed the body of Jesus. And the reality is she had a grateful heart. If you're taking notes, write down, a generous heart always comes from a grateful heart. Why was this woman, as I get ready to close, why was this woman so, why was she so grateful? Well, if you read the chapter before, you, she had a brother, and her brother's name was Lazarus. And Lazarus was dead. And he had been dead three days. And Jesus now comes to the house, and he says, where is he? Take me to the place where you've laid him. And Jesus says, roll the stone away. He calls Lazarus forth. He comes out hopping out of the grave, and Jesus says, loose him, which is a powerful, I could preach on that whole one text, how only Jesus can bring you back to life. But then he called the disciples to untangle you. See, only God can save you, but you need the local church to help untangle you. And it's a whole other sermon. Let it go. Let it go. Let the rabbit go. Let it go. Let it go. And, and so Lazarus comes out, and now just picture this for a moment. This is her dead brother. He was dead for three days. She's walked through the emotional process all these times. She's angry. She's frustrated. If you had been here, Jesus, my brother would not have died. She's gone through all of that. And now she's, she's like standing in the corner watching the table. And Jesus and Lazarus are like laughing. They're eating. They're cutting up. They're talking about the meal. And her and Martha are like, they're cooking. And she's just looking. She's like, this is my, he was dead. This is my brother, and he, he's alive. And she gets so filled with gratitude. She just can't, she just can't take it. She's just like, look at him. Look at him laughing. Look at him eating. Look at him sitting at the table with Jesus, and we're enjoying life. And she gets so filled with gratitude. She says, she takes off her apron and says, Martha, you keep cooking if you want to. And she runs back to the room, gets this bottle of perfume, and she breaks it and pours it and anoints. Another book in the Bible says that she anointed his, his head and his body and his feet for burial. She didn't know what she was doing. Because when you read later that Jesus would be crucified six days later. This happened six days before the crucifixion. Six days later, and, and it was right before, uh, right before Sabbath. So when Jesus died, they got him off the cross last minute. They had no time to anoint his body for burial. They had to take him and put him right in the tomb because Sabbath was coming in the Passover. So there was no time between taking Jesus off the cross to anoint his body. We know this is true because on Easter, the women were coming to the tomb with spices to anoint his body. Because his body had not been anointed because she didn't realize what she was doing. She didn't realize that her generosity was actually placing an anointing. She was anointing the body of Jesus for the resurrection. She had no idea that what she was doing would play a part in history for forever. See, when we give to God, we don't know the lives that will be changed. When we give to God, we don't know the marriages that will be healed, the young people that will come to know Jesus. We don't know the future. We just give it in faith. She had no idea that when Jesus would raise from the dead, that that anointing that was on him was the anointing that she had placed on his body out of her heart of generosity. When we give to God, we don't know what God will do with that seed. We don't know all of the miracles that, that will take place through that heart of generosity. Those of you that gave to help build this house, people, people gave, a lot of you who are visiting here today or, or you've been coming to our church for a couple of months, somebody, somebody thought you might come. And they gave hoping that you would come one day and, and come to know Jesus and give your life to Jesus. I'm here because some, someone somewhere gave in my life. I got saved at a church with church pews. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like an old church. But somebody built that. Somebody gave to that. Some of you may have gotten saved or gave your life to Jesus at a youth camp or a, a kid's crusade or something like that. But somebody thought, you know, there might be this kid coming along at some point or sometime, and I want to give so that they could come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. And you are here today because someone somewhere gave. You don't know the lives that will be impacted. You don't know the lives that will be changed out of a heart of generosity because she was so moved because God had first given to her that she said, I've got to move because he raised my brother back to life. 
That's a heart of generosity. You say, well, that's easy to do if, you know, if Jesus raised my, my loved one back to life, I'd do it too. But the Bible says you were dead in the trespasses of your sin. And Jesus died on the cross so that we could all be saved. Come on, somebody, that we have all been made alive again in Christ. How many people are thankful that you've got eternity? You've got eternity in heaven. Is there any heart of gratitude, of gratefulness? And when you're grateful, it makes you generous. It just makes you generous. I have people in our church that God, you can come play something for me, but I, I have people in our church who God blesses and God will bless them so much financially that above their tithe, they'll come to me and say, hey, pastor, here's $1,000 or here's $500 or here's $100. Just give it to people. Just give it to people in church. Just find people and just give it to. I have people who walk around church on Sunday, they'll just find people and just give them offerings. They'll just bless them. How many of you would love to be a generous person like that? Come on. I, I want to encourage you to start why, why did we do what we did for single mothers today? Because I want you to just start stretching that muscle of generosity. Just start stretching that muscle of generosity in your heart and in your life. As of right now, we've got 40, I think it's 42 people uh, over the last two weeks that have signed up for the tithe challenge. Somebody say amen about that. 42 people. I want to pray for them. But 42 people who are trusting God in their finances and they've never trusted him before. And I want to encourage you, if you've never trusted God in this area of your life, to, to trust him. Malachi 3 says, prove me now or provoke me. Back me in a corner. See if I'm not the God that I say that I am. See if I will not open unto you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you will not have room enough to receive. It doesn't have to be a whole lot of blessings. Just one blessing could change your life. God gave Pastor Joanne me. One blessing changed her life. It's the other way around right? But God can give you one blessing, one idea. Anybody watch Shark Tank? How many people watch Shark Tank and go, I could have thought of that. The only thing they have on Shark Tank that you don't have is an idea. They're not smarter than you. They're not brighter than you. They're not better than you. They just have an idea. God can give you one idea that could change your life forever. One lady became rich because she had pretty hands. She walked into K Jewelers and the president of K Jewelers was there and saw her hands and hired her on the spot as a, as a hand model. All she had was pretty hands. One of the rest of her, just pretty hands. <laughs> Turn to somebody and say, you got something to work with. You got something to work with. I don't know what it is, but there's something. But God can shine a light on the area of your life that you paid no attention to, and you can go from obscurity to notoriety in one meeting. All of that's in God's hands. I want to encourage you, if you've never tithed before, to sign up for the tithe challenge. And so I went to our board. I had to get approval for this. I went to our board and I said, look, I want to give people an opportunity to honor uh, God's word in Malachi 3 where he says, prove me now. See if I will not open unto you the windows of heaven. And they were like, I don't know about this. People could take advantage of that. That sounds, I don't know. And I said, they're not giving now. Let's give them an opportunity to trust God. Let's give them the opportunity. If God doesn't come through, if, if, then, then so be it. I believe that God's going to honor his word. And so anybody who signs up for the tithe challenge and at the end of 90 days, for, you don't owe a reason. You don't owe a reason. You don't owe us a reason. But at the end of 90 days, if for whatever in your heart you go, I don't want to do this, I don't believe in it, whatever, you email the church, write a letter, whatever you want to do, we'll cut you a check for every penny back. Because it's not ours, it belongs to God. And we believe in giving people the opportunity Right now, we've got 42 people who are trusting God, and I want to pray for them. Come on, somebody. Amen. They're trusting God like never before. And I'm praying that God, uh, I mean, I've, I've been doing this 20 years, so I've seen people who started tithing, and they lost their job. I've seen people who started tithing, and this happened, and that happened, and all kinds of things went crazy, and they were like, I know I'm being tested. And, 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 and in the process of that, God began to reveal things to them and show them things. I've seen all kinds of testimonies of things that God has done in people's lives. And I just believe this as a tither, as somebody who, who gives and practices biblical generosity, I'm telling you, I have seen God bless my life. I've seen God bless the lives of so many people in this church that tithe. Talk to John and Paige, talk to our vision builders. I have vision builders in our church. They tithe what they want to make. Come on. And I've seen God do it year after year after year. I've seen God take people, you know, from nothing 
Where's, where's DaVinci? Bring DaVinci out here to me. He's somewhere. Is he backstage? Or find him for me real quick. I've seen God do it over and over and over again. People within our church, I've seen God bless. Am I right, Corey? Raise your hand, Corey. Am I right? If, I, if, I'm, if I'm lying, I've, I've seen John, John and Paige over here. Am I right? Ron and Lori, am I right? DaVinci. DaVinci was doing, you don't know, many of you don't know him. DaVinci is the owner of Game Face uh, uh, Athletic Training. And DaVinci, how many years ago was your business in the trunk of your car? Ten. Ten years ago, it was in the trunk of his car. You came into my life how many years ago? Six. Came into my life six years ago. This man has served with me personally every Sunday, like for years. You just you see him in the lobby with me. He's just with me. Serves me every Sunday for six years. And now Game Face, just within the last week, he calls me and says, Pastor, God's taken this brand nationwide. He's partnered with Lifetime Fitness and is now... Now, Game Face, you correct me if I'm wrong, Game Face will be the pro athlete brand for Lifetime, for Lifetime Fitness nationwide. How many stores? Uh, in September, we'll be in 120 locations. 120 locations. Just came back from Boca Raton last week, mm-hmm. got a tan. <laughs> Just came back from Boca Raton, Raton, or Raton, whatever. Raton, Raton last week, down there. I, I'm not just, am I right in what I'm saying? Yeah, this right. is a, he's a tither. Mm-hmm. He puts God first in his area of life. Not just tithes, but serves. He could be like, I'm too busy. I've got a wife. I've got three kids, two under the age of what? Uh, five. Two under the age of five. I'm running a business that's nationwide. I can't afford to volunteer. I, I'm too busy to do it here every Sunday. Here every Sunday, serving God, honoring God, putting God first. And look what God's doing in his life. Look what I was doing in his life. And I just want, with you up here with me, I want to just pray for those 42 people right now who have signed up for the Tithe Challenge. I want to pray for those today who are going to sign up, that the same anointing that God has put on your life, the same anointing that God's put on these other men and women in, in this church to bless them that would come on their life. How many people can come into agreement with me on that? I just want to pray for them. So would you lift one hand? Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every person in this church. God, that the same blessing, the same anointing that you've given to Ventry, God, that you've given uh, all these different uh, men and women, there are too many for me to even mention, God, that that same blessing would come on their life, would come on their business. God, that you would give them favor with you and favor with man. Let everything they put their hands to, God, let it prosper. Give them wisdom and insight and revelation and knowledge. Lead them, guide them, and direct them. And we believe that the best days of their life are in front of them. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Come on, give them a big God bless you. I want to I wanna, I wanna pray for you just before you go. But if you've never trusted God in this area of your life, try the Lord. Trust God. Some of you have tried everything and everything's failed. Try Jesus. Um, I was with John Maxwell, my mentor, uh, just a few weeks ago. And, um, you know, when the Bible talks about, uh, well, when I grew up in old church and they, they taught you not to be worldly, you know, but they had a different, they have a different take on what worldly was, you know, worldly was, you know, certain musics or, um, you know, uh, just had a different mindset of what worldly was, you know, women had to have long hair and, uh, don't wear pants and, you know, all this kind of stuff. I didn't go, I grew up in that kind of church. I didn't go to my first movie till I was 16 because they thought, you know, if, if Jesus comes back and you in that movie theater, you know, you're going to be Dunzel Washington, you know, you're going to be done. And, and so I was like, you know, I grew up in that, in that mindset. And they said, that's what worldly was, but you know, that's, that's really not a right explanation. Worldly is when God says, don't love the things of this world, you know, more than you love the kingdom, it's like uh, I was with John, and we were at this golf course in North Carolina, and it was, I mean, it was unbelievable, you know, I'm walking around there, it's like, there's only like 200, it's exclusive, there's only like 200 members in this, this golf course, you know, it's, it's like immaculate, I went into the locker rooms, and it's like Ron Burgundy's house, you know, it smells like mahogany and leather-bound books, you know, it's, 
you know, they've got all the, everybody in there is at least 70, you know, and I'm going like, what do I got to do to be in here? You know, like I'm thinking that. And, you know, they got the big granite counter with all the, you know, expensive colognes, you know, which is really not expensive, but it's all like brute and old English and <laughs> old spice. I'm like, if you want to smell 75, you know, this is where you, you know, it's all just that stuff. And, I, and, and I'm just thinking like, you know, man, this is, what do I got to do? You go out on the golf course and it's all immaculate because nobody plays because nobody can afford to go there. And so it's, it's just, it's unbelievable. And I'm going like, man, what do I got to do in my life to, to be here? You know, I'm just, I just need to quit the ministry. I don't need a pastor anymore. I'm like, I need to like sell jets or something to be here. You know, like, what do I need to do to be here? That's worldly mindset. See, when, when, once your mind starts to move away from what God's called you to do, and it can move into like a worldly mindset where you're like, I'm willing to walk away from things that God has for me to pursue the things of the world. That's a worldly mindset. See, God doesn't mind you having those things, but he doesn't want you to move away from his call, his plan, his purpose in your life to pursue those things. I'll leave with this last story. We went to Disney. My family loves Disney. Anybody else love Disney? I love Disney World. It's fun. Not, not endorsing Disney and everything about it. I'm just saying I like going to the parks. But, um, so don't write me an email. So, but I went to, uh, we were at, we were at Disney Springs and they got all these shops and different things. We're at, it's around Christmas time. And Isabella, um, uh, we're walking through these shops and she found this little, it's like a little Minnie Mouse ring. This was a few years ago. She found this little Minnie Mouse ring and she walked up to me and said, can I have it? And she showed it to me and she's looking at she's going to have it. And I was like, no, put that away. You can't have, don't, I don't know what it cost. It was like $175,000, whatever Disney charges for this stuff. And I was like, put that away. You can't have that. Nobody, because they're like, you know, they all gang up on you. It's like blood in the water. If one gets something, they all got to, you know. And so I was like, put that away. We're not getting anything. Everybody get out of here, you know. So we, we left and we got about, a, you know, a little ways down. I told Joanne, I said, take them down a little further. I'm going to go back and get that little ring uh, that she saw. And so I had that little ring for her on Christmas morning. So she, she, she sees it. I pull it out for her and I give her this little box. So she opens it up. And then when she opens the box, she sees, I get choked up telling the story every time. She sees this little ring. But what, what the amazing part was when she saw the ring, she dropped the ring and grabbed me. And I've learned about God. God doesn't mind you having those things. God wants to bring great things into your life. As long as when you get it, you're willing to drop that to grab him. Does that make sense to you? Just as long as you're willing to grab Jesus, he'll give you the desires of your heart. So that's my heart. That's my prayer for you today. I want to pray for you. How many of you would say, Pastor, would you pray a blessing over my life? Come on, just raise your hand. Would you, would you stand with me? I want to pray that prayer over you. And um, Ryan, just all, full disclosure, Ryan has stole no money from the church. Uh, just full disclosure. Make sure that's on video. There's no, I'm just having fun. But, uh, you know, as, as a pastor, I want to say thank you for all of you who give and trust God in this area of your life. And I'm, and I'm thankful for those of you who are starting to trust God in this area of your life. Because as a pastor, and I can speak for Pastor Joanne, our greatest joy is to see you be blessed. Our greatest, I th it breaks our heart when we see people struggle financially. And I know it breaks the heart of God. It's not God's will for anybody to be impoverished or or struggle in those areas. It, it breaks our heart, you know. It, I know it breaks the heart of God. And our greatest joy is to just see you blessed, just to see you living your dreams and moving into your destiny and your purpose and, and, and just trusting God and God keep blessing you more and more and more. That's our heart for you. That's our prayer for you. And, um, but I want to ask God's blessing and favor on your life today not just on your money, but on every area of your life. Because we have people in our church who have a lot of money, but they need healing. We have people in our church, money's not an issue, but they have problems in their marriages or they're losing their children. And you know, I just want to pray a blessing on every area of your life today. It could be a, a marriage, a relationship, whatever that is. And um, we all have different needs that we need God to do. Amen? Raise your hand if you've got a need. Something, may not be money, but something that you need God to do. Keep that hand in the air. Just for a moment, Father, I pray for every hand in the air right now. God, you know the need that that hand represents. And God, I just, I just ask in simple faith that the Holy Spirit 
would touch every heart and every life today. God, that you would minister by your grace to every person in this room. God, whatever that need is, it could be a financial need, a relationship need, a a marriage need, a, a child, whatever it is, God, we know that you are able. Father, we commit it into your hands. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Now pray this prayer with me. Say, thank you, Jesus. I trust you. Come on, say it. I trust you. My life and all that I have belongs to you. I believe you died on the cross and you rose from the dead. Because you live, I can live. Today I give my life to you and I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, if you believe that, give God a big praise all over.